Don't forget to ask questions. Hopefully this is a series that will draw up and raise some questions. Um, it's a series we do probably once or twice a year. We'll devote time and attention uh, to families, to relationships, and uh, to, the, to the, really the, the call or the charge, if you will, uh, to the influence that we have on the next generation, the influence and charge that we have to raise up uh, the next generation. And so we titled this Raising Adults, and I'll tell you why as we talk a little bit, and I set it up this morning. All right, now, hear this very clearly. We cannot, nor do we attempt to tell you how to parent. Everybody with me? Yes? Okay. We do. I didn't think you'd do it anyway, but I'm just letting you know ahead of time. It's not the goal. All right, not the goal. However, you've probably heard us talk about this before. We believe the charge that we've been given, the stewardship as parents, hasn't changed for 6,000 years. And so the charge is the same in terms of what we're called to do as parents. And we believe these series are for everybody. Everybody has influence in the next generation. Nod your head if you do agree with me. All right, We all have influence in the next generation. And we believe the principle and the charge is for everyone, All right, that, that the charge hasn't changed. However, our children have changed, right? Our culture has changed. The environment they're being raised in has changed. And so we need to be able to talk about it from those two perspectives. What has changed? What is our current generation dealing with? And what remains the same, especially when it comes to the word of God's charge to us? So uh, very quickly, I'm going to do my best to give you as many references as possible. Uh, but I want you to understand is that for years, and I know I'll speak for Pastor Don on this too, um, we, have, we have to summarize a lot of content that we absorb over the years from books we've read to conferences we've been to, to uh, Orange uh, is the organization we use for a lot of our family resources and just, I mean, so much stuff that I'll try to remember everything that, you know, if you say, what was that from? I'll try to remember it, uh, but I'll give you a few specifics today. But most of this stuff, if you have a question, you can email me or ask me, and I'll, Don, Pastor Don, Pastor Nicole, and I, we will try to get you the resources you need. And also, don't forget, um, we have resources online on our website. Uh, Chris, Pastor Chris, made a special link at the info.bar just for family resources during this series. That if you want to see the links, the books, the articles uh, that we've kind of vetted and kind of shared as, as family resources for you, uh, I'm telling you, the resource page on our website's got tons of great stuff on there. So please take uh, advantage of it. There was a Gallup poll done, a study in 2016. So it's a few years old now. Um, and I want to just share some of the characteristics, all right, that mark Generation Z and Alpha. I can't give you the full years, but basically the next generation. All right, Generation Z, a little bit older. Generation Alpha is like Charlie and the young ones uh, their age, okay? The things that mark this generation, all right? First and foremost, as, this, as the Gallup poll talked about, they were marked by recession. Now, I had to put in there that they're also going to be marked by the pandemic. Nod your head if you agree, right? But the same reasons that we need to make sure they understand that this generation is marked by something really unique, especially when it comes to the pandemic, um, all they've known is sort of the reaction of what happened to the war on terror and 9-11, and all they know is the reaction of you know, the, the economic bubble bursting in 2000 and 2008. Uh, and that might have affected everybody here differently, but it still affected almost everybody. And children were raised in that environment. So they've been marked by recession, but now they're also marked by the pandemic. And most sociologists agree. We have no idea. It might be 10 years from now before they begin to really pull out the studies um, that will show how this generation was marked by just 2020 and 2021. It's gonna, I mean, it's going to be a lot. Okay, So just, just know that. All right. 
Second thing is, this is the first generation that's fully connected, and sometimes you use the word digitally connected or digitally integrated, all right? They are the most independent generation in history. They can find anything they want to know in terms of information without any intermediaries at all, okay? They don't need coaches. They don't need teachers. They don't need libraries. uh, They don't need any guidance whatsoever. They can find out all the information they want at the touch of a button. They're completely integrated and connected, which means they're also, based on sociologists, they're also the most vulnerable generation because they have unlimited access to information with almost no wisdom or guidance, appreciated or needed, okay? Or wait, maybe not, they don't want to, they don't think they need it, nor do they appreciate it when they get it. The third, they're relationally and sexually fluid. And what this means is that because of this uh, sort of independent and individualistic freedom that's come from this generation, um, they're rejecting in a very, very significant way any traditional bias when it comes to relationships and sexual fluidity. Don't necessarily confuse this uh, with gender dystopia and things like that, the dysphoria, sorry. Don't confuse this with some of the things that we might get into in the next few weeks, but um, just understand from a basic perspective is that the culture, based on this individualistic freedom, they just don't want these labels. They don't want to have to be told to fit into a category, to fit into a, 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 you know, a, a lifestyle. They don't want to be told. They don't want to tell each other, nor do they want to be told um, that based on biological differences, how things are going to work out relationally and sexually in their life. And that's a big mark of our, I'm just letting you know, I'm not saying whether it's right or wrong. I'm just telling you, it's a mark on this generation is that they want to be as fluid as possible and have as many choices as possible because they believe with a godlike goal that individualistic freedom is the biggest and most valuable expression they can have in their life. The fourth thing that marks them is post-Christian. This is the first generation in the West, in the U.S. especially, that is fully being raised in a post-Christian culture. Now, this has been happening over a period of time, okay? So understand this. It's been happening over a period of time, and it may not be true 100% in every person in every, you know, in the 200-plus million of of people in the United States, but they've told us up to this point that the tipping point, we reached the tipping point a while ago, especially in the West, where almost everyone, especially because of how connected we are, almost everyone has had exposure to the gospel, to an understanding of who Jesus is by the word of the testimony of believers. Okay, that's, that's part of the connected piece. They've understood and at least seen the moral foundations of Christian values, and they've seen people talk or at least express the benefits of faith and Christianity. So it's not a lack of ignorance. They've seen all of this. They've heard all of this. They've been exposed to all of this. And this is the first generation that's not only seen all that, but they've been raised in an environment that basically can say, no, thank you. No, thank you. Or at least if they don't say no, thank you, they view it as just an equal of many choices in terms of spiritual choices and spiritual freedoms. That's what they view Christianity as. So it's a truly, truly post-Christian culture. They're marked by this. If they do claim Christianity, sadly, when they're asked to explain it, how do they explain their relationship, a personal relationship with this God? It's theologically messy, right? It's all over the map because they're socially and biblically illiterate. All they know is what someone told them the Bible said. We've talked about that before in here, right? All they know is what someone told them 
the Bible said. I want to share with you again the charge that hasn't changed. This is Moses. This is going to be our theme verse for the next few weeks. This is Moses' uh, words to the Israelite nation. Okay, this is, he's delivered them from uh, slavery. They've set up the law. They've set up Levitical law and all that kind of thing. And he's going, he's, old, he's older in his life and he's going to be passing soon. And this is kind of one of these final words. You know what I'm saying? Like this is, this is marked as a, a thing where he's sort of giving some, some big instructions to the people of God about what this means in terms of how do they, what do they do with this when it comes to the next generation? You've probably heard us read this before. Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. Okay, that's, that's first commandment number one, right? The Lord's our God, the Lord alone. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your strength. And you know Jesus would add another Levitical law, which is and your neighbors as yourself, to this beautiful picture. And then he says, you must commit yourself wholeheartedly to the commands that I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home, when you're on the road, when you're going to bed, when you're getting up, right? Tie them to your hands and and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your house and your gates. I call this the all the time everywhere charge to the next generation. Now, the good news about this is this is not about whether or not you have uh, a breakfast devotion with your family, okay? And if you do have breakfast devotion with your family, that's fantastic. My family wakes up in a period of four hours, and uh, there's just no, there's no time for that. Does that make sense? So you get to do that. That's great. But we're not trying to give you some one-and-done solution. The charge we've been given in terms of leading the next generation Sharing this faith with them is all the time, everywhere. We just say that together. All the time, everywhere. everywhere. When? All the time. Where? Everywhere. Yeah. Right? When you get up, when you lay down, when you're here, when you're there, when you go, all the reminders are about what you do, the actions that you do, the way that you think, and the environment you choose, your home, and what it's going to be surrounding them. So that's, that's the charge. Let me put it this way. That's the center of the target. Everybody with me? It's the center of the target. That's it. In the most simplistic of terms, all the time, everywhere, in home, road, morning, evening, doing, living, thinking, right? And this was natural as could be before the second and third industrial revolution. Because this is what life was till less than 100 years ago is that everything was done in the context of family. Home, away, when you're out, when you're doing, when you're living, how you act, because that's how it was. Before the second and third, the change of that and the second and third industrial revolution began to really begin to change all of that when it came to parenting. All right? It's the center of the target. These are the ideals and instructions of the Lord. Don't hear these as rules. Don't hear these as a formula. These are the ideals and instructions. We want to direct our lives to how he's called us to direct our lives. When we say raising adults, what I don't want you to hear (laughs) is to start treating children like little adults. Okay? That's actually part of the problem. Sociologists kind of agree. That's part of the problem. We don't want to, we're not saying raising adults because we want to treat children like little versions of adults. We're seeing that all the time now, and that is the cultural crisis that they're in. Watch any TV show or, or movie about a family and the children, the language, the attitude, the way they dress, the level of responsibility they have, 
hardly differentiates at all between adults and children. Neil Postman, who wrote the book, he's a sociologist, The Disappearance of Childhood, talks about how parenting styles have continued to change generation after generation. And what we saw, what, we, what he notices about generation uh, Z and alpha is that they're being raised by generation X and Xennials, okay? And they were warned, generation X and Xennials were warned not to commit the parenting sin of the parents of the millennials, okay? And that was the helicopter smothering, you know, over-involved parenting. Do not do it. Don't commit the parenting sin of being a helicopter mom. This is how participation trophies got started. Horrible, right? You know what I'm saying? Like, don't do it. And so there was an overcorrection. There was a following of a very similar path, but there was a doubling down on what was called drop-off parenting, right? Drop-off parenting. Very simple. Uh, Kids need to play with other kids, so they get play dates, right? Uh, we want them involved in sports and doing things athletic-wise, so we sign them up for a recreational team, an organized league, and they, and they go play sports. Uh, school, preschool, daycare, you know, we, we, we drop them off. We send them, send them off to those things. Tutors, uh, lessons, you know, you know, violins and pianos and, you know, extra, extra special lessons they want to have and dance and acting and things like that. It's, it's a very, it's a style. Listen, this is the same style our parents kind of grew up with us. It was started a while ago, but this generation has been marked by the fact that it's kind of, we doubled down on it. The sociologist said it's been doubled down on, and it begins to infiltrate all areas of life. Matter of fact, you probably notice that most people choose to drop them off at church too. You know, we'll talk more about this later, but that doesn't work. And drop-off parenting, regardless of how normal it may seem, drop-off parenting, the reason it's having such an impact on this generation is because parents have been told this lie that in order to match the individualistic freedom of Generation Z and Alpha, they're, they're matching that with really hands-off parenting. So in order to match the individualistic freedom that's desired there, they're sort of matching that with sort of like pulling back even more. That if you're going to err, you need to err on the side of pulling away, rather than, again, the, the horrible parenting sin of smothering and helicopter moms and all that kind of thing. You know those terms we've, we've heard growing up. It's a handoff approach, and listen, that's not what they need. When it comes to how they are developed, I've, I've probably read this verse. Matter of fact, I did a study just to be sure. I went back and looked at how many times I've read this verse this year, 2021, from this stage in, it, to this church, and the, today will be the 10th time I've read this verse, okay? It's pretty important. Becoming a foundation, if you will, of how I prepare sermons. But this is the verse, Romans 12, after he tells us our life is a life of worship to God when it's sacrificed to him, do not, what's the word? Read it out loud. Conform to the pattern of the world, but be what? Transformed by the renewing of your mind. When you read different versions, you understand that that conforming to the pattern of the world is sort of like repeating styles and repeating patterns. and, And I like to think of it like a mold. That there's constant pressure, right? Go to the two words, conform versus transform. There's constant pressure in our society to sort of get in line and get in the mold of what everybody else is thinking and doing, right? Get in, get into the mold and conform to what's the most or the majority or, 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 or sort of the least path of least resistance. That's going to be your best bet. Versus what we believe, the, 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 the part of our charge is that we need to be experiencing the, the supernatural transformation 
of God in our lives through the Holy Spirit. It's the Spirit of God in us through Jesus Christ that we're being transformed from the inside out. We're changing. It actually says renewing our mind is changing the way we think, right? This transformative work only happens through the power of the Holy Spirit and through God. And then we get into this, and I'm going to be really careful with this, but I want you to see the crisis, again, once again, I'm just kind of setting us up for the next several weeks, the crisis of the next generation, when it comes to the conforming versus the transforming, is, is being told what to think versus how to think. Okay, now you've heard these terms before, but sociologists kind of use these terms. When you're kind of being constantly told what to think, it's indoctrination. Everybody nod your head if you agree. Yep, it's indoctrination. When you are being told how to think, when you're being taught how to think, it's actually best called critical thinking. That's just what it's called. Now, I want to go ahead and give you a quick warning. I'm going to have a couple slides that follow this, all right? And I know, this is what I know, it's going to spark some current event stuff that's churning in you, okay? It's churning in you. Listen, do not selfishly, mentally wander off, all right? And pre-write your social media post today with something I just said, all right? To all those losers who don't agree with you online, all right? Stay with me, okay? It's not about you this morning. It's about the next generation. Nod your head if you're with me, okay? Don't selfishly wander off, okay? We're talking about the next generation. What to think, this idea of indoctrination, has always been around, okay? Just hear the words. This isn't new stuff. This is the way all of us were actually raised. This has been over the last hundred years. This is not brand new, okay? Indoctrination telling us what to think happens in some major categories. I just gave you three. First is socio-ideology. All the what, wouldn't it be great if socio-ideology comes primarily through entertainment, through movies, through uh, TV, through uh, music, uh, through entertainment, meaning what's in and what's hip to do and what's stylish and things like that, right? Social media is a big part of that, right, in terms of entertainment. So that's a lot of how indoctrination happens in terms of what to think is done through social, uh, th through these, uh, the social uh, ideology kind of pushes, again, that mold. Think about the mold. It's pushing us into that mold, pushing us in to that mold. And again, that hasn't changed. But, but I will tell you the things that have changed. But in terms of strategy, that hasn't changed. Political affiliation is only getting more, I don't know, polarizing maybe. It's only getting a little bit more versus when we were kids. I mean, there were still Democrats and Republicans, believe it or not. There really were when we were children. Um, but it just wasn't as hot and it wasn't quite as polarizing. And it wasn't quite as, as, as I've shared before, it wasn't quite so definitive that if you were going to believe this thing, um, you had to believe all of these things right? And if you were going to believe this thing, you had to believe all of these things because the affiliation you share about political beliefs is going to have a whole bucket full of, 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 uh, of thoughts and, and beliefs and ideas that you may not actually believe or even know about. But that's a big part of this mold. That's a big part of what's pushing people into this mold of what to think. And listen, we do this with religion, okay? It's called religious dogma, Okay? It's, it's basically, it's, it's the idea that we have to fight very hard. We have to fight very hard that Christianity does not fall. This following of Jesus, this true discipleship of following Jesus does not turn into some sort of temple-driven, pharisaical, legalistic uh, life of rules and do's and don'ts that have zero context 
and does not even meet the current questions, needs, and crisis of our current generation. And yet, Christianity has lost a lot of influence because it has been turned into that religious dogma. And we have to fight very hard about this. Now, I can't get into the critical thinking of everything on here. Just, we do not have time, okay? I am, because of who I am as a pastor, want to just share very quickly, when we were praying through this series, why we called it Raising Adults, and if you were here a few months back, we did a series about spiritual growth. We talked about, you know, spiritual growth aligning with kind of the symbolization of physical growth. And so the reality is, is that when we start thinking about critical thinking and how important this is to the next generation, we do not want to continue the religious dogma, which is in, in a simplest way is called childish faith. Okay? You know what childish faith is? Childish faith is when you tell someone, um, well, that Jesus just loves everybody. That's true. Okay? But then when they take that childish faith that has no context, no understanding, no depth and, and realization in their life, and they take it into a world that wants to deconstruct that and intellectual predators that want to just destroy that, it can actually cause damage to someone's faith because they have no critical thinking around it. They have no ability to talk about how they think about it. All they've been told is what to think. Everybody with me? We don't want to raise anyone in a childish faith. But you've probably heard the term childlike faith, right? Childlike faith is what I call spiritually adulting. I made that up, obviously. It's not real words. Spiritually adulting is a childlike faith, and it follows what we talked about in that series. Meaning that, that, that we raise our kids to a raising adults who can 100% independently just trust fully in the Word of God as their source of truth they can begin to, to be able to express that in such a way that's practiced faithfully in their life, and they can engage in informed debate with humility. Everybody with me? Like, this is the goal, guys. This is the target. This is what we want. This is what we're aiming for, because it's part of the charge we've been given. And let me just give you a few examples, okay, before I, I go into my, my stuff for today. A few examples. Jesus was so good at this. Okay, listen, just go back and read the Gospels. Like, like never once did Jesus try to just a religious dogma. He could have. I'm Jesus. I said it. Shut up, right? I mean, he could have. All the parents in the room know what that's like, right? He could have just said it. No context. You don't need to know why. I'm smarter than you. But you know, Jesus always asked questions. He would respond to questions. It was very frustrating for the people of the day. He would respond to questions with questions. He would respond to questions sometimes with almost a sarcastic or, or surface answer, and then he'd go into a deep, complex parable in which nobody understood, including the disciples, to help them understand not what to think, but how to think. I'll give you a few examples, right? Great examples. Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? They were taught. The mold said three times. Okay? The mold for their whole culture, three times. You know, what's that whole shame on me first and shame on you and whatever? The, you know, I say, like, trick me once. Yeah, you're supposed to forgive three times. That's the maximum. That's what the mold said. He said, hey, I got, how did Jesus, how many times should I forgive him? Seven? Peter probably felt really spiritual in that moment, right? Seven times? It's more than double. And he says, no, not seven times. He said, but 70 times seven, which would have made everybody just go, uh, what? Why? Keep going. 
Well, because he goes on to tell him the parable about a king who forgave this guy millions of dollars in debt. And that guy went away to a guy who owed him $100 and wouldn't forgive him the $100 debt and threw him in jail. And the king found out and was hacked off and threw that guy in prison. Why? Because it didn't have anything to do with the level of offense of forgiveness and had everything to do with the heart of the person who's going to forgive. Right? Jesus was so good at helping them understand how to think about this, not just what to think. Keep going. Sermon on the Mount. You've heard it said, but I say to you, you've heard it even said from the religious leaders who want you to conform to a religious dogma, but I say to you that this is the way this is. You've heard it said, don't murder somebody. That's great. You want a cookie? Don't murder anybody, right? I'm saying don't think of a way, don't even, don't even have anger in your heart towards them where you're guilty of the same thing. And he would explain why, because he wanted them to know how to think. Just, here's a great example. Do not judge others. You will not be judged. You will be treated as you treat others. The standard by which you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. I could solve 90% of social media with this verse alone. Y'all with me? Like how many adults wish they got this? The standard you use to judge is going to be used against you. There you go. Jesus is so good. Hey, here's another one, quick one. You guys remember this one? One day an expert in religious law stood up and tested Jesus. He wanted to ask him the question, but they'd already heard before, Jesus, what should I do to inherit eternal life? One guy, one comment is, you know, what's the greatest commandment? He's already asked this. And so Jesus said, well, what does it say? What's the law of Moses say? He actually kind of throws it back on him. He says, oh, again, very studious guy. Well, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart and your soul and your strength and your mind and love your neighbors yourself because he'd already been, you know, he's trying to trick Jesus. He knew what Jesus was going to say. I love Jesus' response. Yep, go do that. Good job, right? Go do that and you'll live. Great. Go for it. And then the guy trying to trick him, he wanted to justify his actions. He, he asked Jesus, hey, who's, who's my neighbor? Because again, Conforming to the mold of the Jewish culture, they already knew who their neighbor was. Their neighbor was people who looked like them and thought like them and, and didn't believe what, believed what they believed, and it wasn't anybody else. And then he goes on to tell an amazing parable about the Good Samaritan. And he tells the story that made everybody cringe, and he gets to the end and says, yeah, who was acting like the neighbor again? Who was acting like the neighbor? Oh, yeah. They couldn't even say the Samaritan. They just like, the one who showed mercy. You know, and they bowed their heads and walked away in shame. Because Jesus never, listen, Jesus never settled, never settled to just tell us what to think. He always wanted to help people understand how to think from the heart of God, how to think. And guys, our next generation needs it, needs it desperately. And they need it from everyone, our parents and us who are trying to raise them and who have the influence over them. Let me just give you these as quickly as I can. I'm just going to start here, because again, we got several weeks we're going to be doing this. I'm starting here to just give us a place to kick off, okay? I want to give you an approach, okay? Hear me say that. It's an approach on, on handles, on how you can begin to align your life to this target, whether it's your nephews, your nieces, the people you serve in small groups, uh, your, your, your friends' children, your personal children, your grandchildren, the alignment of what we're called to do all the time, everywhere. 
to pass this faith down to them, to help them understand it the way we see it given to us, which is in a critical thinking way, not just a dogma, not just that, but, but really handles on moving us in that direction. And I got these from actually Dr. Jim White. He's a local pastor. He writes a book about every other year about the next generation or generational changes. Phenomenal, very smart guy. And I'll never forget when he shared this about six years ago, I want to say, five years ago. Gosh, what an impact it made on me. And these three things, they just stuck with me. And I hope they stick with you. This is the approach that I want to give you. Be informed, be engaged, be in charge. Let's read it out loud, all three. Ready? Be informed, be engaged, be in charge. Okay, this is to you, especially as parents. All right? Let's talk about being informed for just a minute. Now, the sociologist Neil Postman I talked about earlier did share, hey, the strategy hasn't changed, but the content has changed somewhat. And there's two things that he wanted to make sure that people understood the disappearing of childhood was happening, because what was happening was it was the disappearance, it was the changing of content slightly, but it was, wasn't just the content, it was the frequency. Okay, the frequency. Think about those two things, content, frequency. And I'm gonna give you just a couple quick examples, right? I do a couple things to just kind of stay informed, all right? I try to, we, we give you some tools on the website, how to research movies before your kids watch movies, how to research TV shows before your kids watch shows. Most of the time I've seen something or I'll preview something or <laughs> do some sort of context to look at it and try to figure out, you know, if I got some sort of context on video games and what they're rated, why they're rated this way and things for my kids. Like, that's just, an, I, that's just a step of being informed. I do this thing about once a quarter where I look on TikTok. You don't want to do this unless you have kids on TikTok. Um, I go to TikTok and just say, show me the, la- you know, the latest TikTok trends. You know, and some of them are just stupid. The whole Tide Pod eating thing and all that. I mean, that's, that's dumb, right? I mean, you know, but you'll find that when you go look. Hey, show me the latest trends. And it'll show you the stuff that just is trending on TikTok. Not just interesting video, but like where people are copying video after video after video. And I want to know what those are. I want to have an idea of what those are in terms of what my kids are seeing as they just kind of discover things. I want to be informed. All right, now you should also do this. And I'm I'm just going to give you a little quick example. You should go look at Spotify. Just, Just type it in your Google and say, hey, listen, show me the lyrics to the top 10 Spotify songs that are streamed. 2021. This is 2021. I'll give you four examples of the top five songs that are streaming right now. I'm in love with the shape of you. We push and pull like a magnet do. Although my heart is falling too, I'm in love with your body. It's Ed Sheeran, you know, kind of tame. He's okay. Kind of talented, you know, um, marginally. No, I'm just kidding. He's, he's great. But, you know, it's a good idea to know what the lyrics are, right? It's a good idea to look it up. Keep going. I'm the bad type. Make your mom a sad type. Make your girlfriend mad tight. Might seduce your dad type. I'm the bad guy. She's a girl, but she's a bad guy. Uh, That's probably not the best thing. Okay, so let me show you another example. It's called Senorita. You say we're just friends, but friends don't know the way you taste. La, la, la because you know it's been a long time coming. Don't let me fall. When your lips undress me, hooked on your tongue, love your kisses as deadly, don't, don't stop. This is definitely a portion of a song that you could probably get the hint of where it's going. It's what it's, what it's symbolizing, what it's encouraging, you know, right? 
And I know, listen, there's a lot of parents I talk to, the same as me, like, well, that's okay, because we, you know, listen, we got the clean filter on Amazon Music, okay, and Spotify. We got the clean filter on. Got the clean filter. That's going to save our children. I'll just show you one with the clean filter on. This is number four, no, I'm sorry, number three, the top five songs streamed right now. Something, something, thank God. I've been doing things with people and <laughs> drugs. I'm a rock star. I've been, I guess, Beverly Hills, again, doing some things. Well, I can't say anymore. Okay, that's, that's it. And I wanted to show you what the clean version pulled out. That was it. And the other one that's number nine right now is still WAP, which is from last year. And I can't show you the lyrics to WAP because it would look like hieroglyphics. It'd be a whole lot of lines with like the and in and about. Um, I mean, it's, it's ridiculous, okay? Do not go Google that unless you really want to know. Now, I say all this to say, was that really different? I mean, listen, were the songs of the 80s and 90s that we grew up with all that pure and holy? No. No. Am I right? Okay. So don't, just understand, that's why the sociologist said it's not just content, it's frequency. You know, we had to sit in front of a radio and hope it came on right? Because we were all too poor to buy the tape. And if we had a rich friend that had the tape and you wanted to listen to a song over and over and over again, the tape wore out and broke, right? Okay, this is before CDs. I hope everybody's tracking with me here. All right? This is, this is something, listen, these songs, these lyrics, these words are available 24-7 on devices that are connected to them 24-7. Everybody with me? That's what's changed. Okay, five, seven years ago, I've told my children this. Five to seven years ago, I could trust about any CW show that I wanted my kid to watch. Not any of them, but, you know, some of the, I like the superhero ones. I could let them watch those, and I could trust that the first couple seasons, two or three seasons, would be pretty decent. They didn't usually start with the sexual fluidity and all the other lifestyles and other choices they wanted to kind of push in the show. They didn't usually start till season three or four, okay? Not anymore. Like that's episode one, season one. And just understand from a frequency and, 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 and uh, uh, capacity standpoint, the stuff that's made by Netflix, the stuff that's made by Showtime, the stuff that's made by, by Amazon Prime, these are things available to them to be able to watch before breakfast before they leave for school. Everybody with me? So understand that, again, strategy isn't any different than when we were younger, but the frequency and the content, content's been upped, Frequency has changed drastically. And our next generation is connected to it all the time. So just, uh, just uh, be informed. I want to give you two verses that just are challenging for me, and I hope they're challenging for you, because it talks about this idea of discernment. Okay? Discernment, making judgments. Wisdom is found on the lips of the discerning. What a great proverb to memorize. Wisdom's found on the lips of the discerning. Keep going. This is the way Paul says it. My prayer for you is your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. That it would, be, that it would grow in knowledge and depth of insight. Why? Because it says, I want you to be able to discern what is best. Right? Discern what is best and may be pure and, you, and, may be pure and blameless in the sight of God. This is the idea is that you can't, you cannot help the next generation discern anything if you are not informed as to what they're facing. 
You just can't. And I'm going to spend a lot of time next week talking about how we engage in this conversation with the next generation and ways and kind of, again, approaches on doing that. But this is just the big idea. Just be informed. Take the steps. These three things, you are not going to bat a thousand, everybody. It's just the way it is. You're not going to bat a thousand. You're not going to be able to stay informed about everything. But the goal here is, are you even trying? Are you even trying to be informed so that you can help discern for your family and for the next generation? Uh, The next one's be engaged. And again, I'm going to try to wrap this up. Be engaged. We're going to talk more about this, but there are stages of independence and dependence, and we're going to talk about how we should be celebrating these stages. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm just like all the rest of you. I don't really <coughs> want to see my children grow up. I don't know who gave them permission to grow up. Um, but yet, I, I, I just know the goal is to raise these children into adults. Like, that's the goal. I should celebrate that as often as possible. Right? I don't want to just constantly be trying to hold them back. That's not, that's not the goal. The goal is to celebrate and to push and to, and to help assist. But there are stages of development and independence, and I just want you to understand, that is, that is true for everyone, and it's going to be different for your children, but these are just three big ideas. There is a time of indoctrination. Okay? Don't, I don't want you to think of that word fully as just a bad word. Indoctrination is just to put truth in. Everybody with me? It's to put truth in. That's why we spend so much of the formative years of kids saying, don't say that. We don't do that, right? Say you're sorry. Everybody with me? Yeah. Do you have children that you do that with? Okay, good. All right. Say you're sorry. This is us trying to put doctrine into the children that we have, these very young, impressionable minds. What's right? What's wrong? What's acceptable? What's not? That's normal, right? Normal. Then you have times of intentional education. You're going to choose to sort of talk about the whys of things. And, and not just the dogma, not just the indoctrination, but the why. And you've got to take all the connecting of the dots is really what it is. And then there's spiritual navigation. Have you prayed about that? What do you think God's saying about that? Tell me what you read in Scripture about that. Right? Starting to talk with your kids about those kinds of things. Like, tell me, tell me in Scripture how you are supposed to respond to your you know, friend who just came out of the closet. Tell me how you feel like you're supposed to respond to that according to what Scripture says. Don't tell me what your friends say to do. Tell me what Scripture says. And help them begin to spiritually navigate before they leave your home. To spiritually navigate some of the challenges that they're going to be dealing with when they do leave. They're already dealing with it in high school and, middle, and, and, uh, and college for sure. This is just part of those stages we want to celebrate. Okay, I'll give you a quick example, okay? Just because you know my kids, they're, they're not perfect by any means. should never set your pastor's kids up on a pedestal at all, okay? It goes for all of our pastors here. But I mean, I remember early on, you know, you say to your kids, don't say that word, don't say the S word, which many people think is something else, but at our house it was stupid. Everybody with me? You're not allowed to say that word. Don't say the S word, you know, we don't, we don't say that, that's indoctrination, then later on, I'm having conversations with my kids, you know, but you know, they're not perfect. But one, one of my children just told all the kids in our small group, the F word, like told them how to spell it, you know? And I was like, great on your spelling. Yay. Let's not do that. Right. Thank God we had a great small group that totally understood. And, and then the pastor's kids, way to go. That's, that's them doing it. So I had to, you know, there are times in which I began to connect the dots and say, tell my, tell my kids, Hey, this is slang. You know, there's some Southern slang that draws, you know, that kind of does this. And I said, and there, here's some cussing that I, I kind of term as cussing. And then here's what cursing means. 
in terms of taking the Lord's name in vain and cursing someone. And I helped them understand, like, listen, you're going to have slang choices in your life. You're going to have cussing that might come up now and then. And there's going to be times when you really do want to curse. And I helped them understand that while you live in my house, there are going to be consequences for all three of those things, right? One's correction, one's discipline, one's rebuke. Does that make sense? But that's the intentional, you know, navigation. Spiritually, or sorry, intentional education. Spiritual navigation is at some point, my kids, my kids' words are their responsibility, and I just want them to understand that they are going to be accountable to God for everything that comes out of their mouth, right? They're accountable to God for everything that comes out of their mouth. I want them to make good choices, right? They are going to slip up, sure. They see mom and dad slip up. But I want them to be able to choose better, right? To discern what is, what's the word? Best, right? That's the goal. And engage, part of engaging is taking the truth they're already being taught and engaging with them. I don't know if you knew this. Let me just do this really quickly. These are some of the things your kids have been working through this year. Kid Street, I can trust God. Integrity is choosing to be truthful in whatever we say and do. I can love like Jesus loves. Peace is proving that you care more about each other than winning an argument. Boy, wouldn't you would love to have adults to get some of this? right? Woo! Wisdom is finding out what you should do and doing it. They're doing that right now. Your kids are doing that right now. Garage, garage students, godly character, generosity, pure living. Who does God say that I am? Man, identity is such a big deal right now for our garage students to be walking through. The path just went through the whole book of Romans this past year, okay? I mean, we're talking about dealing with sin right off the bat in, in verses in chapter one about sinful uh, lifestyles and se- especially sexual lifestyles. Did you talk to your kids about that? Response to sin, our response to sins, God's response to sin, God's redemptive plan, and then our response to God's grace. And they just, they spent the whole year on this. How engaged were you and are you in those conversations? This is the truth they're getting right now. And then I'm going to quickly walk through this about this next one, which is called Be in Charge. And I want to give you this quick example. Um, we'll be looking at this over the next couple weeks. But I want you to see, this is, a, this is again one of those illustrations um, that we've seen used with marbles and other things several times, different, different avenues. Um, but Be in Charge, okay? Now, I don't know if anyone's ever told you this lately, uh, but you are in charge of your children. Let's just make sure we all agree about that statement. Your children won't tell you this, but I'm here to tell you this. You are in charge of your children. And we are stewards, guys. Stewards for a while, but stewards our whole lives of the children that God has blessed us with and the generation, the next generation that we are surrounded by in this church and the influences of our friends and Christian friendships and families. We're blessed to be stewards in their life, to be influencers in their life, to be able to see them grow in the admonition of the Lord. Remember this all the time, everywhere. All the time, everywhere, a kind of target on the wall. This is basically what people have kind of shown is that we have about, on average, this was about, again, about 2012 maybe. Um, On average, churches have about 40 hours which take vacations away and other things like that. We have about 40 hours to invest in the life of the next generation. 40 hours a year, period. 40 hours. Parents 
have over 3,000 hours. This doesn't include school. This doesn't include work. This doesn't include sleeping. That's 3,000 hours plus a year that we are in charge. Say the words, in charge of, okay? That you are in charge of. Now you, you tell me, okay, where is the battle for your son and daughter going to be won or lost, here or here? By the way, this particular stat is cut in half right now based on those who, yeah, pay, based on those who have not returned from COVID, who do not take advantage of digital online resources, who do not and have not committed to the church wholeheartedly, and they show up about once a month. Then we have about 15 to 20 hours. So tell me, tell me where the influence lies. Tell me where where the, 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 the battle will be won and lost in terms of influence, in terms of who owns the responsibility and who's in charge when it comes to that goal of all the time, everywhere, sharing their faith, sharing and helping them grow to be spiritually adulting. It's at home. I mean, it just, we, we, we just know that. And you're in charge of those hours. Now, don't get me wrong. I want to make sure you know this. Listen, these, I, I ch we choose to look at this proportionally different too. The reason these are bigger than these is because we really do believe these are important hours. Don't hear me say they're not. Okay, these hours that they have with the church have been prayed over. Uh, they've been poured into financially by resources, by volunteers who love your children, by full-time staff, by part-time staff. Like these are hypercharged, spirit-filled hours. They really are. They're important. But they really are meant to be the light of Christ joined with the heart of the family. We're supposed to just prime what's happening here. That's the purpose of these. And you're in charge of these as well as these. Did you know that? Yeah. You're in charge of these as well as these. Because you don't ask your child if they want to go to church. You take them to church. Okay? I don't know if everybody's with me on that one. You do not ask your children if they want to go to church. If you're asking your children to want to be at church, I have to go back and tell you, you're in charge of their hours. You take them to church. You know, I'm going with my parents to church. They're in their 80s. And if I'm with them on a Sunday, guess where I'm going? Even if I don't want to. I'm going to church. Am I right? Am I right? Yeah. Absolutely. Why? Because they still think they're in charge of my... No, they, that's just what they are. That's just the way it's going to be. Guys, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just trying to help you understand. If you're in charge of this, and we're going to be talking next week a little bit about how we engage with these hours. If you're in charge of this, then just begin to think through and pray through what decisions am I making right now to stay informed, to be engaged, and to take the, take the advantage I have. doesn't matter if you have two years left with your kid or you still have 16 left with your kid. It doesn't matter. What are you doing now to put yourself on the direction of the clearest target we've been given? Let's read it one more time, just as we get ready to close, just so we have it in our heads. Israel, the Lord is our God, Lord alone. You must love him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. You must commit yourself wholeheartedly to the commands I'm giving you today. And he reminds us again, repeat them again and again to your children. 
Talk about them when you're at home. Talk about them when you're on the road. Talk about them when you go to bed. Talk about them when you're getting up. Tie them to your hands and all that you do. Wear them on your foreheads in the way you think. And as reminders, and write them on the doorposts of your home and your gates. Make the environment they're living in engaging. Let's read these three things one more time. Be informed, be engaged, be in charge. One more time. Be informed, be engaged, be in charge. Where we're heading next week is probably one of the most important things we'll talk about in this series. And it's going to challenge your convictions as a parent and as uncles and aunts and just people who are invested in the next generation. Is your faith the one that you're wanting to pass on to the next generation? Is it a matter of personal preference and religious ideology, which I'm going to talk next week about what that is? Is it tied to a personal preference or religious ideology, or is it transcendent truth? And we're going to dive into the deep end of that next week. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for today, the way your word challenges us and gives us such a clear target. And yet, God, I, I have the heart of every parent in the room. There's no way we can bat a thousand with this. And God, with your help and by your spirit, can we only accomplish this? to raise our children in the direction of choosing you. And yet, God, we also know it is our children's choice to choose you. So I'm praying for every parent in the room today. God, everybody that has that influence of the next generation, that they would continue to be informed and engaged and be in charge as much as they can of the stewardship they've been given. God, to pass down this faith, to help them, to help them understand, even just from, even from the religious standpoint, how important it is to know how we think in this culture, to not be molded and conformed into the patterns of this world, but God, but by you and your Holy Spirit to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. We pray all this in your name, Jesus. Amen.